All right, in the time we have left, I want to do one more obituary. We have so many left over from 2012, but we do want to note the passing this la- this past week of Huell Hauser. Mr. Hauser had always been on our list of people we would like to interview, and when he came to UC Davis um, some years back, we tried to arrange that, but couldn't quite pull it off. We are great admirers of his style in this program. Uh, <laughs> corny though it may have been, he somehow made it work. In fact, we're kind of short on time today. I'm just going to... I think move on, maybe refer to a little bit of greater length on next week's program. We talked about Thomas Friedman at the top of the show, and he did present a, um, oh, what's the word for it? Serviceable, I guess. He provided a serviceable lecture on Tuesday night as part of the California Speaker Series. He's a very bright man who's covered a lot of ground, and his book uh, From Beirut to Jerusalem is a classic. I enjoyed that very much and recommend it to you, dear listener. But his stuff since then seemed to be a bit flat, as did many of his columns, and personally I've had a hard time forgiving him for the fact that, of all people, he should have known better than to have supported the war in Iraq. I asked the question about that. In fact, the very last question that came to him uh, in the Q&A after his talk, he said, I backed up the war in Iraq for democracy. If you were going in there for weapons of mass destruction, I said, don't bother, or words to that effect. He then said that he thought that uh, we had paid too much for what we had achieved there, and he wasn't even sure what we, what we had achieved there, adding that that was uh, yet to be determined. He talked a lot about some of the things that were themes of his other books, about how quickly the world is changing. In fact, he admitted that in the book he wrote in 2004 uh, on this very topic, uh, when he wrote that, there was no Facebook, there was no Twitter. People weren't talking about the cloud. This does, this does dovetail with a piece from Bloomberg News from last, uh, last month. Piece by Nicole Gawet noted that new technologies, dwindling resources, and explosive population growth in the next 18 years will alter the global balance of power and trigger radical economic and political changes at a speed unprecedented in modern history. The major trend, according to a 140-page report released by the National Intelligence Council, the end of U.S. global dominance, the rising power of individuals against states, a rising middle class whose demands challenge governments, and a Gordian knot of water, food, and energy shortages. I don't know. We've been saying some of these things on this program for how many years now, Mr. McMillan? Friedman said he did not think that the, uh, the, 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 the cliche that the 19th century belonged to Britain, the 20th century belonged to the U.S., and the 21st would in- inevitably belong to China as being valid. And having just spent a brief period of time in China last month, I have to admit, um, I'm not so sure it's going to go that way either. That Gordian knot of uh, water, food, and energy shortages are sure to hit China very hard. And uh, the government really is, is not clear on where, what direction it needs to go in in the future. We are starting to see more protests against Chinese censorship. In China last week, hundreds of supporters of the reform-minded Guangdong newspaper Southern Weekly staged a rare public protest against state censorship outside the paper's offices, while prominent business tycoons, opinion makers, and film stars use their microblogging accounts to demand greater press freedom in China. We shall see. Friedman also made mention of how uh, gerrymandering was uh, allowing the politicians to, he said, basically, draw a line but you know, right down the bedroom, where if you've got a Republican on one side of the bed and a Democrat in the other... Well, these days they can pretty much separate you out, which is maybe only a slight exaggeration. 
piece by Dana Milbank in the Washington Post notes that redistricting, which will come in the wake of the 2012 census, is going to protect the GOP-led House for years. A topic we've also mentioned on this program previously. The piece by Milbank notes that the Republicans are crowing about how uh, how they are uh, the party of, uh, of the nation, but uh, the stats don't quite back that up. Final results from the November election were completed uh, a couple weeks back, and they showed that the Democratic candidates for the House outpolled Republicans nationwide by nearly 1.4 million votes and more than a full percentage point. A new analysis showed that even if Democratic congressional candidates won the popular vote by seven percentage points nationwide, they still would not have gained control of the House. Notes Milbank, in a very real sense, the Republican House majority is impervious to the will of the electorate, thanks in part to deft restructuring based on the 2010 census. House Republicans may be protected from the vicissitudes of the voters for the next decade. Milbank notes this whole thing is a rather extraordinary result of the election. Only three or four other times in the past century has a party lost the popular vote but won control of the House. But computer-aided gerrymandering is helping to make such undemocratic results the norm to the decided advantages of Republicans. Friedman also mentioned how, how interconnected we have become and in some ways uh, now in pursuit of some of the same aspects of the good life all around the world. Uh, it's certainly supported by a couple of uh, items I tore out of one of the travel magazines from the planes I was flying on. I think this might have been Vietnam Air. And yeah, one of them, it shows a housewife running along the beach with a bunch of uh, tile-roofed uh, buildings behind it. It looks like something out of Orange County. And another has a couple of kids playing uh, in front of a giant screen television that appears to be quite interactive. I understand, by the way, that that's going to be one of the next big things out in the electronic world, that television is about to become interactive in a way we could never even have conceived of until recently. Maybe we'll achieve in reality something akin to an old New Yorker cartoon from the 70s, which I had on my wall back in medical school days. It's a two-panel cartoon by Gay and Wilson. In the first panel, a grumpy guy is sitting on a couch watching a TV screen where the announcer is saying, Well, old Mish is really beating up on those Reds. The announcer then says, Those Reds are really beating up on old Mish. At which point the guy starts smiling. My understanding is you're now going to be offered, in some cases uh, of movies and and television programs, alternate endings. <laughs> you may be able to pick how you want the thing to end. And uh, I don't know, what do I know? Mr. Miller thinks they've already had that for some time. Where have I been? All right, we got about one minute left. We're hoping that would be the announcement that the Sacramento Kings really, really are going to move, but that seems premature again. One thing we can say for certain is that uh, by the time we join you on next week's program, the term of Daniel W. Richards at the California Fish and Game Commission will have expired, and he will be back as a private citizen. You may remember how Richards made headlines last year when he went up to Idaho to kill a cougar and then take a picture of himself smiling proudly. Oh yeah, it's illegal to do that here in California where he is a Fish and Game Commissioner, so he went out of state to do it. But you know, you can't understand why he was so proud of himself in that photograph. The cougar had instinct, claws, and teeth working for it, which I guess had him pretty evenly matched with Mr. Richards, who only had a high-powered rifle with a telescopic sight. Also, a pickup to drive him around the back roads. High-tech clothing, GPS. Yep, looks like a fair fight to us. We really are out of time, so we don't have time to run the jackass of the week sound effect, but uh, 
Let's just close by noting that this program was produced by Edward McMillan. Our thanks to Pamela Anderson down in Australia. You'll be hearing more of Pam in the future. And we hope to uh, bring you on next week's program, James, my neighbor from across the street. Turns out knows quite a bit about archaeology. In fact, he is a professional archaeologist. This is going to be fun. I'm Douglas Everett. We'll see you then. And uh, for our listeners up in Chico, we would note that we hope Aaron Rodgers does well, but maybe not quite well enough to win. Sir Kepler, the 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 Sir Kepler, the